Welcome back, everyone, to Fringes of the Faith podcast. I'm Paul Henderson, Administrative Pastor for Capstone Church here in Benbrook, Texas. And sitting next to me is a good friend and brother, Stefano Lebrelon. How are you today, Stefano? Hey, Pastor. I'm good. I'm great. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. It's been a while since you've been on the show, so welcome back. Uh, I think people always love to hear your perspective on things. <laughs> Thank you. Um, also, it's always good to be here. Yeah, it was good to have you. Also with us today, we have producer Austin. He is our producer of the show, and he is he is uh, behind the board. He's the one that makes all of this happen. And so, uh, welcome, Austin. Hi there. Hey, everyone listening, and to everyone watching, you can't see me. <laughs> yeah, he's behind. He's behind the scenes uh, today, and uh, you know, in, in this podcast. So, well. You know, Stefano, for those that don't know, Stefano is from Brazil. Yes, I am. And so that's the reason I wanted to ask him to be on this show uh, to get his perspective on the topic of the day. And the topic of today is called wokeness. Wokeness. Yeah, wokeness. Wokeness. Uh, or being woke. Uh, that's one more English word for me. <laughs> so what does being woke mean? Do you know, Stefano? Well, I think I'm trying to figure out, Pastor. I think it's going to be okay. <laughs> well, <laughs> uh, how about our producer, Producer Austin? Austin, do you know what woke means? Indeed, I do. Okay. Well, um, you want to take a shot at it, or you want me to read the Cambridge Dictionary? definition. Yeah, it's uh it's just being aware of like the uh current social issues which prominently right now is race. Ding 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 ding, you win the prize. Yes, according to the Cambridge dictionary, to be woke means a state of being aware, especially of social problems such as racism and inequality. Mm-hmm. You know, you know yeah. Recently, you have professional sports in Brazil? Oh, yeah, we do. We are big in soccer there. Big in soccer? Yeah. Okay, well, um, recently, did you know that the NFL, which is American football... Uh, the league, right? Yeah, the National Football League, they recently became a woke organization. It's a woke organization. Well, they became a woke organization, meaning that they are now aware of social problems, specifically racism and inequality. So now they care. Well, now they're aware now, of yeah, it. Now they are aware. And I think they, they may have cared about it. Well, how do you care about something if you're not aware about it? Yeah. But now they're aware. So <laughs> I guess up until now, they were just asleep or indifferent. I guess so. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, all of a sudden, they became woke, which means they must have been asleep. Yeah. Um, and we know, I'm just, I'm just going to throw this out there. Uh, if y'all haven't guessed by now, this is a controversial podcast, and we're not going to shy away from the truth. We're going to head right toward the truth, and we're going to put it in your face. How about that? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> but not hard. But with a sponge, not with a yeah. knockout punch, okay? But we know from previous headlines about the NFL, um, and I don't know if you remember this, Stefano, but it seems like they were also indifferent when it came to domestic abuse and domestic violence on the part of their players. Oh, no. I wonder when they're going to get woke to that reality. It looks like they have a very selective type of wokeness. Now, oh, right? selective they, wokeness. They there select, is a new term. Yeah, they select what they want to be aware of. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Stefano, <laughs> that's it. That's the whole show right there. Okay. Selective wokeness. So 
And that's funny that you say that because I wonder what the criteria is. What's the criteria for choosing which movements are worthy of being woke about and which don't make the cut? You know what? I think I know, Pastor. Well, uh, sure. Let's see. Maybe what makes them make more money. Oh, ooh, ooh. Send, all, send all dissenting emails to <laughs> slebralon at capstone.church. <laughs> How about we bring in Austin into this conversation? Austin. Uh, do you do you also do you think or do you agree with and it's okay if you don't but do you agree with the it seems like there there's certain criteria that must be met in order to be a woke person or organization yeah yeah it's a uh, it seems far more prevalent over the past few years as various issues have been brought to the spotlight especially by media um, with so, like racial issues and sexuality especially it just seems like um there seems to be a need for acceptance yeah a prominent push um and it, it is largely with the, all these corporations they seem to be doing all these things um out of just wanting to seem woke wanting to seem socially acceptable among various people not wanting to offend and try and be accepting of everyone. Um, and it was actually interesting. This is Pride Month right now with June. Um, this this podcast will actually be coming out after Pride Month has ended. But when it all kicked off, the LGBT community themselves were actually really frustrated with corporations because of the wokeness. Mm. They're like, they're going too far because you're clearly just being woke for woke sake. You're doing it just for money. Because otherwise you'd do this year round and your Middle East and Asia pages that you have on social media would also change their profile picture instead of just the America and Europe ones and stuff like that. And so it was really interesting. People are actually starting to get a little frustrated with certain aspects of woke culture. Um, it's still very prevalently important to a lot of people, uh, it seems, but they're starting to see okay well actually a lot of a lot of corporations are starting to kind of push this as an agenda just for the sake of money just mm -hmm. to bring in whatever's popular in the moment and right. bring in those customers yeah and the term that they use for that is fake woke oh so if you look at the historical aspect of how we got from from where we were to now being woke it actually stemmed from the political correctness movement because if you remember a few years ago, it was all about being politically correct, right? Always. Well, now that has turned into wokeness, which is a step farther than politically correct. Because you could be politically incorrect, you could be called out for it, and you could say, oh, I'm sorry, I was insensitive to that, um, and then you were okay, right? But now, because of wokeness, if you say something insensitive, it, it goes farther than just, you know, okay, you acknowledged yeah. it, and, you know, you're human, we understand, we give you some grace. Now it's like... Eh, you're canceled. Mm -hmm. Not only are you canceled, I'm taking you off the platforms. I am censoring you, and I am going to come after you now. I'm going to dox you, which means expose you on the Internet. All these other things uh, that is really mi militant. And I think, Pastor Paul, that, I mean, I think these companies, they identified a new category of, you know, people mm -hmm. that they have a need, a need especially for attention. And the companies, they are not doing that because they like people. It's because it's a new category of customers oh. that they want to reach out. And, you know, as yeah. Austin said, to make more profit and money. 
Well, true wokeness uh, rails against capitalism, basically. Yeah, and <laughs> that's exactly what they're not doing. Right. So how do you how do you reconcile the fact that you've got these corporations who thrive on capitalism now, all of a sudden becoming woke? And I'm talking about companies like Coca Cola, American Airlines, Delta, UPS, cool. Facebook, of course, and Google, of course, yeah. Citicorp, Major League Baseball, the NFL. I mean, all of these different organizations are now woke. And so I ask again, doesn't that mean that up until now they've been indifferent to societal problems such as racism and inequality? Yeah. And the thing is, uh, if these companies don't do that, if they don't uh, say that they are woke, there is a threat that this category of people that I was talking about, the different people, they will reject. So I think that's just an act of protection from the companies. The companies are trying to protect themselves from the rejection of this new category of people and also make more money. Well, l let me just say this, though, because they've cut their nose off to spite their own face in, in Georgia. Because if you remember, Georgia came out with this so-called controversial voting restriction law, which it wasn't at all. Mm -hmm. If you read the thing, you understand that it actually goes beyond uh, other states' election laws to allow for more freedom of voting. But because of these, this wokeness on the part of corporations, they pulled out. They were threatening to pull out, to pull their, their companies and their corporations and their tax base out of Georgia. As a matter of fact, the Major League Baseball pulled the All-Star game out of Georgia because of this wokeness. It's and, a total hypocrisy. It, oh, it is. It is hypocrisy <laughs> yeah. because now what they've done is that they have taken resources and tax money away from the communities that need it the most. And so I don't yeah. understand that so thinking. Seriously, they don't leave what they, right? Yeah. And so here's the other thing too, Stefano. And um, producer Austin, I want you to, to, to weigh in on this. If these companies are truly woke, if they truly care, if they're truly concerned about societal problems and racism and inequality, then why aren't they giving up their positions and their huge salaries to the less fortunate, the ones that didn't have the same opportunities? I mean, if you're that concerned, then why don't you do something about it other than threatening to pull your economic resources yeah. out of a community? Because now you're hurting the community that you're supposedly woke to helping. You know when Jesus talks about, you know, the tree by the fruit? Yes. You know? Yeah. They make themselves look like a good tree, but there's uh, no fruit. Right. right? There's no fruit. Uh, they could be, I mean, they, you know that these companies, they have the power, the economical power to do a lot for the society. Yes. They could contribute, like, with social works and, I mean, help people. Mm -hmm. They don't do that. Yeah. Uh, the narrative is totally, it's, it's a social, uh, can, sorry, it's a social thing that they need to, you know, to confirm about themselves. Yeah, what do you think, Producer Austin? Yeah, I mean, it's, um, it's kind of interesting. There's this uh, kind of touching back on, like, the cancel culture. People are so afraid of being canceled. Um, and it's, I would go so far as to say it's selective cancel culture um, with specific people. And uh, there's this weird thing that everyone is under a, a microscope now. And if the slightest thing is done wrong, according to our culture, you are then canceled. And so er, people are so afraid of doing the wrong thing that mm -hmm. they've kind of flipped the table over and as you said, you know, cutting their nose off, whatever, um, they're starting to pull things away. They're like, well, now if you don't 
we've hit this level where now if if anyone's below that if they aren't cheering on uh you know championing this stuff and pushing it um if you disagree or do any of these things then we'll pull out our sponsorships our resources you know our all, all these things um it's always funny you, if you pay attention to news uh, a prominent person right now with hollywood that kind of experiences all this stuff is chris pratt who yes. is christian and um he's been called out almost once a year i feel like at this point for the past few years for being anti-gay and all these things i'm like well that's what the bible teaches that you know homosexuality is a sin in practice and so all these things it's like it's it's very interesting how it keeps coming back up he's never done anything wrong he's not going out and screaming at people he's not calling people sinners uh, he's very kind, very polite, and he hasn't even really used his platform to publicly speak out about Christianity and stuff. He's not out there sharing the gospel uh, to all these people that we know of. Yeah. That that we know of in this very public manner, in the nature that, and speaking against certain things in the nature that he would be called out for these things. It's literally just because oh he went to church. What does this church believe? Oh well, five years ago the pastor gave a sermon on homosexuality so hence chris pratt believes and now we need to cancel him and so it's this uh it's a very slippery slope with being woke that it turns into yeah this cancellation and uh it's this weird it's kind of a whirlpool right now you don't know if you're going to hit a rock or if you're just going to keep floating by or well get caught up in the storm of all of it it's political correctness on steroids yeah and pastor when i say that this is a very selected uh thing it really is because those who want the respect they do not respect the differences Mm. for example if you don't agree with what they want you will not be accepted exactly you will be rejected Mm -hmm. but they preach acceptance you know Mm. yeah well you know i i get fired up about this topic a little bit as you can probably tell um just because of the hypocrisy in it all i mean it's so hypocritical and so I just want to make an announcement today that today I officially became woke. <laughs> today I'm officially woke. Yeah. Yeah. What at, happened? At 6 a.m., my eyes opened, <laughs> my coffee pot kicked on, and I officially woke up today. How you about woke you, up? Oh, Senator? yes, me too. I mean, I, I wish I could have slept a little bit more this morning, yeah. but I woke too. Now I'm, I woke like really early. Yeah. These guys were doing like donuts in front of my house. So, I mean, it was so noisy. And I woke up. <laughs> uh, I'm officially woke too. Okay. And so here's the thing. Uh, I've always been aware, well, since I w- was an adult anyway, I've always been aware that we have social problems. Okay. Yeah. Um, why, why do you think we have social problems here in the United States? I mean, now you're from Brazil. Yes, I'm so from Brazil. We have... I'm going to ask you some, some comparison questions, some yeah. contrast and compare. But why do you think that America has social problems? Well, Pastor, I think, Every, every country has social problems, um, and the social problems, they are different from country to country. Mm-hmm. For example, I would say that in Brazil, the main social problem would be the difference of how, you know, a small amount of people have a lot of money, and a big amount of people don't have a lot of money there. Mm-hmm. So um, in America, that's not the case. The social, well, yes, that I know that there's people here that, you know, there's poor and middle class and, and 
rich people. Yeah, we have other classes other than poor and ultra rich. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But what I feel here, since the first day I got here in America, uh, the great problem here is the socio, uh, how people live together, you know, is mm -hmm. not like the financial, the financial part of it. It's how people, they get along together, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, as you know, Brazil is a country that has a lot of races. Mm -hmm. For example, uh, my great-grandfather was, uh, he was a black man. Mm -hmm. My great-grandmother was Italian, and my dad has, like, Portuguese. Yeah. So it's all mixed. But the races there, they really got along very well, and they mixed. Uh, in America, I think it was a little bit different. The, the races, they kept, you know, uh, the distance between them. And I think that created a lot of the social problem here. Yeah, I would, I would agree with that. Uh, but there, there is, there was a period of time in America where it seemed like we were on a path to reconciliation. Mm -hmm. It really did. It really felt like, you know, that we were finally healing of the past and, uh, all of the inequality issues were being dealt with and, it looked really looked like things were getting better and better, but then all of a sudden, um, things took a turn, and now you're right. Uh, there is this racial divide now, mm -hmm. or, or is there really? I mean, and what I mean by that is you only know what you know and what you hear from the major media networks. Yeah, and it's important to mention that in Brazil we also had slavery for almost 200 years in mm. Brazil. But the country, I mean, it's over. Mm -hmm. uh, it's gone. Mm -hmm. So that's not something that we are reminded all the time, you know. Uh, so seriously, something that really impresses me in America is how, how divided people are, uh, not about money, but the way they live their lives together in community. You have... Uh, a church that just certain color go. You have a supermarket that only that type of neighborhood go. Uh, it, even for me today, it's, it's a little bit hard to understand, mm -hmm. you know, because uh, back in my country, uh, we have more of a unique, like a, we see us, we see like this Brazilian society as just one, mm -hmm. you know, it's not, you know, divided. Well, I think that we used to see America like that as well, but something has occurred that has called a great division, or at least the perception of a great division. And so really, um, when you think about the United States of America and what we are as a society, we are known as an individualistic society. Yeah, that's Whereas right. Whereas Brazil is more of a collective society. Yeah. And, and what, what I mean by that is that as an individualistic society in America, we feel like we are entitled to our own opinions, our own perspectives, our own worldviews, Right. Yeah. It's always been that way. Uh, we call that freedom of expression, freedom of thought, freedom of speech, and that's actually protected under the Constitution, or it used to be. So we have this individualistic ideal. Now, in a collective society, they have a different viewpoint, a different worldview, where it's more community. It's more, we are all going to do what's best for the entire community. Yeah, and, and I would say, um, you know, America, the richest country in the world, and people here, they have means to do things. They're, there's always, like, a, a possibility. There's always a perspective to do whatever you want. And and because people have so much available for them, mm -hmm. uh, 
I think they begin to create their own kingdoms, you know. Mm. They begin to, you know, well, I have to have my house, I have to have uh, my car, and it needs to look good because my neighbor is going to see it, and it has to be good. And I have to have, a, like, a great Facebook account with lots of, you know, uh, apps that I will edit the pictures to create. It has to look good, mm. you know. Yeah. Um, and so when you live in this individualistic but social society that, that we do in America, you know that we're actually forced to be around one another. Yeah. I mean, we are, unless you are a cave dweller and you never come outside and you have Amazon deliver everything to your house. But eventually you'll either die there alone or you'll have to get out and go to the doctor. Right? Yeah, you'll have to get out of your house. So we're actually forced to be around one another. And, um, you know, that's the way God intended us to be, though. He intended us to be in a relationship with each other. Not yeah. to be isolated, right? Absolutely. He okay. created us to fellowship, right? Exactly, yeah. But here in America, because we live in a social, individualistic society, we are forced to be around another. We're forced to socialize with one another, whether that's at our jobs or in the grocery stores or in public places like the doctor's office and in some of those places. You know it's unavoidable. We have to be around one yeah. another. And because we live in this individualistic society, not a collective society, we all have our own individual ideas, our own perceptions and likes and dislikes, which we call prejudices. And so the first part about being woke, when you look at the Cambridge University uh, definition, the first part about being woke is, is to be in a state of awareness, mm -hmm. okay? Yeah. And the first thing we need to be aware of and accept, and here's where the problem is, the first thing we need to be aware of and that we need to accept is that we live in this social individualistic society and that we have to be and live around one another. Absolutely. Quick question, Pastor. Um, I, I, I really believe that technology uh, is not good for fellowship. Oh, that opens up a whole yeah. new can of worms. In, in, in my question, I've been to the United States for four years. Back uh, some years ago, when, so, when we didn't have uh, like all the social media available to us, was society a little bit more together? Oh, absolutely. Yeah? And, you know, I'd like to bring uh, producer Austin into this conversation, too, because he, he's of the younger generation, and uh, he's on social media. He's our social media uh, director here at, at Capstone Church. So, Austin, what, what do you think about uh, what Stefano had just said about uh, social media? Yeah, so social media is kind of interesting um, in a way how we have grown as a culture both in the U.S. and internationally with the birth of the Internet and social media. Uh, we have ironically seemingly gotten less social, more connected online, but less so in person. People are um, less willing to communicate and talk uh it's always just through some form of online messaging yeah. um rather than just hanging out mm -hmm. um and you know covid has not helped with that at all with right. the lockdowns everywhere where it kind of forced everyone into online only connectivity um i mean we saw just to give a quick and brief without without the information in front of me um we saw a huge spike in depression, anxiety, mm -hmm. 
and mm-hmm. subsequently suicide rates yeah we talked skyrocketed about because you know there's no human connectivity anymore yeah. um that's that has been a prevalent issue since the dawn of social media because there's this even though we're talking to one another as people there's a disconnect when we're not looking at someone's face people are willing to say and do the most egregious things online and bully people um, I mean, we've had, I can't remember their name, but we just had a, a celebrity or two in the news that they got ousted because... Tegan. Yes. Christy uh, Tegan, I think, yeah. Yeah, and because she was bullying people and telling them to kill themselves. Um, all these things you could say online, but uh, you stand in front of that person and say the same thing. I doubt you would. Right. So it's really interesting, um, this kind of back and forth where... People feel like they can say whatever they want online, uh, but this is definitely not something they would say to someone's face. Well, it used to not be, but I think because yeah. of this new wokeness, now people are, are venturing over that line, mm-hmm. and they're actually, they won't say it individually, but they'll gather in groups, and they'll protest, and they'll start saying these things as a, as a collective voice. Um, They've gotten thank, more bold. Exactly. They're more bold. And thank goodness that we have a United States Constitution that protects them gathering to protest mm-hmm. peacefully. And I think that's a word that gets left out of the media's attention is the constitutional right to protest peacefully. Peacefully. Well, right. there's, there's been a misinterpretation, uh, not even misinterpretation, a misrepresentation with all of the... Um, riots and looting and stuff from all the racial conflict in the, this past year. Uh, they've been calling it all peaceful protesting, mm-hmm. but none of it has been peaceful. It's right. been, um, you know, looting and burning and destroying of property. None of that is peaceful. Peaceful is Martin Luther King Jr. You're walking down the street. Um, you're making your point as a crowd, but you're not going to violence um, and using vulgar words and doing all these mm-hmm. things, um, that, yeah. So that's, that's interesting. That gets back to us living in this social individualistic society. And what that really means is that we have to interact with one another. We do, uh, you can't avoid that. And, and we have to remember though, here's the thing that we have to be aware of and accept first is that when we interact with one another, when I interact with you, Stefano, or with you, producer Austin, that, um, I have to accept that you may have your own individualistic perspective, yeah. your own worldview, right? your own opinions about things. And if we're going to live in a civil society, then I have to respect the fact that you have your own worldview. And those worldviews and those perspectives may not be exactly like mine, but I have to respect that um, because your worldview and your perspective your opinions are based on a myriad of factors, uh, really, that you're mm-hmm. not even aware of most of the time. And that, and that means, like, people's perspectives and their worldviews are based on their age, yeah. their gender, uh, their experiences, their culture. You're Brazilian. Yeah. You have a different culture. Absolutely. Um, societal norms of the times. What is society willing to accept during the specific time period? Uh, something you mentioned in Brazil, economic conditions. Uh, Another thing is peaceful or wartime conditions. All of these play a part in our individualistic consciousness. 
and in our thought processes. They play a huge role in our decision-making and in our daily lives. And I want to give you an example. I'm going to, I'm going to shoot this question to both of you guys. So if you were to ask a 75-year-old man what they think about mixing politics with professional sports, what do you think they would say? Well, uh, Pastor, in Brazil, I know we do not mix these things mm. for sure. Like any age, uh, not at all. I mean, we don't mix soccer and politicians. So I already know the answer. <laughs> you know, <laughs> what about you, producer Austin? What what, do you, what would you think the answer would be? Uh, I could tell you the vast majority of people, um, with evidence to support it do not like the mixing of politics and sports or even entertainment, really, uh, because we've put these people in a level of entertainment on a pedestal to, you know, to entertain us, to right. play sports, to make movies, to do these various things. Um, you mean now, to do the jobs that they're being paid to do? Yeah. Right. Now, of course, there is the flip side of, you know, you've got the you've had this platform now. And so, you know, it's it's always important to utilize a platform that you've been given that you have to speak on prominent things, but um there there's kind of a line and they're they're bringing it in now as the forefront of like that's the identifying marker connecting to them mm -hmm. now is speaking out on these specific things and combining them with their job not even so much them personally, they're bringing it into their work. Right. And that's that's kind of where that line is. And the evidence behind all this and how we as a culture, uh, why a lot of Americans are frustrated with this, is the ratings. You look at the ratings <laughs> for all the sports right yeah. now, they have just tanked. Yeah. Nobody likes it. No, Hardly anyone is watching compared to the past. Uh, same thing with like the Oscars and Golden Globes. Hardly anyone comparatively in the past few years is tuning in, which is interesting because, again, as technology has evolved, you think more people would be interested in this stuff uh, because it's more accessible. And yet fewer and fewer people are wanting to because they're they don't like it. But getting back to the example, though, I mean, the, the, we've just heard a perfect example of the differences because a 75 year old man, um, when you look at the demographics who watch professional sports anyway, you're looking at mainly the mid twenties to all the way up to mm -hmm. you know death, a hundred years old. But it's the younger generation that doesn't really seem to pay a lot of attention to the professional sports, and the ones that do, they would say, just like producer Austin said, it's a platform to bring awareness, right? Mm -hmm. So they're all for it. Yeah. It's a new mentality that I think that this this uh, new generation. Uh, they've been taught, you know, and sometimes I even feel like it, it, it's a little saturating because wherever you go, they are always mentioning the same thing. It's always the same speech. Mm. You know, if you if you watch a game here, they are talking about it. So if you drive in the highway, they are protesting about the same thing. Mm -hmm. And if you go, uh, if you download an app, the app now has something that categorizes a certain movement. You know, so it, it's saturating. Mm -hmm. and but in the, in the example, okay, so you ask a 75-year-old man what he thinks about politics and sports, even as, you know, a 75-year-old woman, doesn't matter what gender, uh, you ask them what they think about professional sports mixing with politics, and they'll tell you there's absolutely no room for it in professional no. sports. I'm not watching it 
to get political viewpoints. I'm watching it to be entertained, just like what producer Austin said. And if you were to ask a 21-year-old that same question, of course, they're going to say, well, it's a great platform uh, to bring awareness to all of these social injustices. And, you know, in America here, I wonder which one of them is right. In America, they're both right. Why are they both right? Because we have to remember to be aware of and accept other people's worldviews and their perspectives. Okay? Does that make sense? Yeah, the land of freedom, right? It is the land of freedom, or it used to be. And so we used to be able to hold these different viewpoints and opinions, but, but something sinister now is occurring, and it's called wokeness. Wokeness is sinister. It is. This is not something that it man. Is this is not something that man has suddenly developed and became woke. Who was the first couple on earth to become woke? Adam and Eve. How did they become woke? By the power of the Spirit of God, right? They became woke to the social injustices of their day. They were not. They they did not have an opportunity to eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. But here comes the enemy. That's Here right. comes yeah. Satan. That's Here right. comes Lucifer in the garden and says, hey, you guys have never been provided an opportunity to, to know good from evil, have you? And they said, well, we're not supposed to eat from this tree. Why not? How come you can't eat from that tree? Uh, apparently it's in God's garden. He's not letting you eat from this tree. That's a social injustice. And so now they're like, oh, you're right. Yeah. I'm being discriminated against because I can't eat from the garden, from the tree of Of knowledge of good and evil. And so what do they do? They do it. So that's the first example of being woke. And what was the consequence of that? Punishment, right? Separation from God. Well, we are still experiencing the consequences of the first wokeness movement that ever happened. So um, all of that to say that this, this woke movement is being used as a weapon by the enemy. I, yes, I believe. Wouldn't you believe that? Because yeah. the enemy divides, right? Yeah. And he wants to make us think that it, that it looks good, you know? Mm-hmm. You want to make the sin uh, look good, so yep. Yep. we have to accept it, you know? So we talked about the first part of being woke, the definition of wokeness, the first part being aware of, right? Being aware of. Well, in this second part, we are going to talk about uh, the second part of the definition of wokeness, which is the state of being aware especially of social problems and racism and inequality. We're going to talk about that next, okay? So you guys hold on. Um, Part two of this is coming right up. If you're new to Fringes of the Faith, uh, welcome, and we're happy that you're here. We're happy that you're watching or that you, that you are listening. Be sure to check out our previous episodes. And we are happy to announce that in the next couple of weeks, we will be ending Season 1, and we'll be starting off with a brand-new season. That's, we don't have a date yet. Oh, yeah. Um, but we will be tackling a lot of interesting, controversial, and obscure topics, such as the fallen angels... I'm curious, Pastor. Enoch, the book of Enoch. Oh, uh-huh. I've the, read that book three times. Yeah, the yeah. Nephilim. The Nephilim. Which are the giants mm-hmm. and some other some other uh, books of the Bible that did not make it into what we view as the Christian canonical Bible, um, such as the Apocrypha. We're going to talk about that in season two. But thank you. Thank you for watching and listening. We love you guys. And remember, stay in the Word, stay alert, and be not deceived. 
Love you guys. God bless you. Stay tuned for part two. Bye.